leadership uh, leaders, leaders are the people who own the responsibility of placing themselves at the point of friction. And it has nothing to do with title. It has nothing to do with the size of your paycheck. A leader is the person who, when there is a moment of friction, when there's a surface that your mission is bumping up against, those are the people who insert themselves to solve the problem, period, and they own it. Welcome to the Nicholas Brown Podcast, a podcast talk show about real estate investing, business leadership, and personal development. Each week, we explore current real-life case studies about how to build financial independence through investing in real estate to build your personal portfolio through passive income models, along with interviews from the top business leaders and personal development leaders. Now, here's your host, Nicholas Brown. Welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm about to wrap up my last few episodes of leadership, and I couldn't complete this without getting my leatherneck brother here, which is Luke Crumley. But I get so excited, as you guys know, and as he know, but I want to thank him personally for coming on 40 episodes previous of this, just, just about over a year. The time of this recording is April, what's this, the, the 20th? His was done on April 2nd of last year. So I definitely thank you, Simplify, Do or Die, always faithful. He well, always, my brother, it is yeah. a pleasure to be back with you. Yeah, yeah, he's always reached out to me. That's how we are as a brothership, and I'm excited for him. But what I'm going to do, ladies and gentlemen, because I couldn't finish this, and I told him without getting his perspective, a leadership. But we're also going to talk about what's going on for personal development, and I'm going to read the about about section and you'll figure out what I'm talking about. You you understand it what we're talking about. But to respect his time and our time, because as he know I get passionate on this. I just want to get straight to the point. Make sure you guys subscribe to the YouTube channel. That's where you get more information and reach out to Luke also if you got any questions that's political or advocacy because he teach that. So if you're listening in also whatever your favorite um podcast channel make sure you download that. Also reach out to him for any questions or reach out to me. I'll forward it to him. So let's do the about section and then we're going to get straight to this because he has some, man, some solid, valuable information, which actually is what's been going on these last few, few weeks, couple of months, which he's gave some valuable information. But today's guest is lobbyist advocate leader, Lucas Crumley. He's a nationally recognized as one of the top political Action Committee Managers by the National Institute of Lobbying and Ethics. He also is an accomplished, pragmatic, results-oriented leader with more than 10 years of public service with the DOD and the United States House of Representatives. His specialties are, ladies and gentlemen, once again, government agency liaison, network building, constituent relations, personnel administration, training and education plans development, operational planning, organizational development, political advocacy, grassroots engagement, and so on. He's also a proud father and a, and a great father and husband also. I just want to you should have led with that one, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen, Luke Crumley. Welcome Thank to you. the show, Thank sir. You. Yeah. It's good to be back with you. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to have you, man. As we said before, I didn't do this before in the, the uh, episodes when we started out, which you helped me also. We met we met on Clubhouse, ladies and gentlemen. Then we continue with LinkedIn. So LinkedIn mm-hmm. is a, a great source. Clubhouse, is it still available? It's still available. I'm not on there as much anymore. Me neither, um, yeah, I, right. I think it, it had a wave and then, yeah. uh, you know, kind of fell off. Uh, yeah. A lot of folks were, were hawking their goods and not engaging in <laughs> genuine conversation, which the platform right. was meant for. Exactly. Um, but, you know, these things evolve. You know, some yeah. technology takes hold, some doesn't, and you move on. It, it happens. And that's where we came. We, we kept in touch on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. LinkedIn is valuable, which, ladies yep. and gentlemen, I'm going to give you a plug. I didn't get chance because I got too excited, which his plug is you can always reach out to him. What What are you known on? A, Luke, Luke Crumley for your LinkedIn? Yeah, Luke Crumley on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm under Luke Crumley on LinkedIn, okay. Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Yeah, I don't dance on TikTok, so <laughs> not going right. to cause you discomfort like yeah. that. Uh, Twitter. Uh, yeah, if you search uh, at Luke underscore Crumley on just about any one of those platforms, you'll find me. And I just started a YouTube channel. Uh, awesome. under that same name as well um it's only got a couple videos on it right now because i'm you know I'm, I'm trying to learn video content it's not native to me it's not something i do naturally so they're powerful um, gentlemen. yeah he's natural he's a character he's natural <laughs> he's a natural character people just gravitate to him he's valuable i promise you watch the videos but i went to youtube youtube videos is awesome because they, they, they speak volume volume and value the value so it's a law of, law of magnetism. But this is what we do. Like I said, a year ago, I didn't do this. I've been running a series about leadership. Mm-hmm. You had the generals, sergeant majors, and everything. Mm-hmm. This is my brother, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening in, Marine Corps. Lieutenant, correct, sir? Uh, actually finished up as a captain in the Captain, IRL. okay. A captain, that's awesome. But I kept it company awesome. grade. I didn't want to go join the field grade ranks. Okay. How long were you in? I want to recognize. I want them to uh, four years them. active and then four years IRR. Okay, this is what we focus on. Mm-hmm. Uh, motivation, teaching, and perspective. This is mm-hmm. ideal as a leadership. That's what we're going to talk about. So what motivates you to get in your political field? Mm. Yeah, I... Arena, rather. Yeah, I, I was just talking into the camera yesterday, trying to, to batch some content and figure out what I want to talk about on my, my blog and my, my channels uh, moving forward. And as I was blabbing to myself in the camera, uh, I stumbled on this topic yesterday. It was perfectly timed. Wow. Uh, You know, here in Ohio, I I don't know what it's like in every other state, but here in Ohio, when you're in eighth grade, when you're in uh, that last year of middle school, uh, in the spring, middle schools across the state put eighth graders on buses and send them to Washington, D.C. to the nation's capital as part of a learning experience. You stay there over a couple of days. And uh, during that time, you uh, hear about different organizations, you tour the Capitol building, you maybe meet your member of Congress, all of those things. Hmm. Uh, really powerful experience. Uh, but in eighth grade, you don't necessarily fully internalize just the gravity of where you are, right? Yeah. Except when I was in eighth grade, uh, one of our teachers, he had a friend who was working for a member of Congress at the time. Uh, and we were able to actually go down to the Senate floor wow. and sit in the chair where my state's senator at the time sat every time he was in, in the, the well of the Senate chamber uh, and participating in the debates that matter to people. And I remember sitting there and not 
you know, a lot of folks would say, yo, I, I knew that moment I wanted to be a U.S. senator. I don't. I don't want to be a U.S. senator. Okay. The, the feeling that I remember, though, is as I was sitting there and looking around, I thought to myself, wow, we could help some people here. Mm. When you're in that position, when you're one of 100, you're one of 435 in the house, you have an opportunity to bring a real positive change that directly impacts people. And that feeling, even at eighth grade, was just overwhelming. And I knew from that moment on that in some way, I was called to do service. Um, mm. You know, what that's looked like has evolved over time. Obviously, when I finished undergrad, I went into officer candidate school and served in uniform. I, when I left there, I went and did my master's program and started working for a member of Congress, not on their, in, on their Capitol Hill staff, their legislative staff, but in their district office, which okay. is an entirely different set of skills and work that gets done there that those district offices are focused on helping constituents who are having problems with federal agencies navigate those problems and find solutions. And I had a, a front row seat to that process while also getting exposed to policy, while also working in the campaign field, but it was all built on this idea of service. And it actually, it took me from, you know, when I was younger, a very cynical, skeptical belief about politics, which I think a lot of people feel. Right. Um, you know, you there's state so much, that. Yeah. There's you negativity. In your video. Yeah. But yeah. it's not about that. Yeah. Your yeah. goal is to, to educate them what it's really about. Absolutely. Right. And the more you lean into politics, and away from the parties, the more you lean into uh, advocating for a specific cause, the more often you're going to be exposed to the reality that most of the folks who are in elective office are genuinely motivated because they want to help people. Um, you know, so for me, that That's motivation for being in politics is helping people, period. Okay. That's why I want to get straight deep into it. Mm -hmm advocate because that's what you're that's what you're educating mm -hmm. people and my mm -hmm. demographics is real estate investing whatever but you know 40 and up but they're not too much keen on p policy and, and mm -hmm. politicians or whatever you educated us ladies and gentlemen a year ago about gas trip how, how how corn because you know i want you to educate them about what is advocate advocate and a lobbyist because mm -hmm. i'm gonna ladies and gentlemen if you're watching or listening in go to that episode which is episode 40 i'm gonna link that to it it's deep it's some valuable information but what is because that's what you're focusing on mm -hmm. i've been watching your videos your educational and that videos talk about an advocate what is advocate or advocate yeah so our system our, our national political system is really special Okay. And it's, you know, we don't have a democracy. Let's dispel that. In a democracy, okay. you and I and Nicholas would have to vote on every single idea that's out there. We, we have the pleasure of living in a representative republic where we elect people to go do that work for us. Okay. And it allows us to, to remove ourselves from the day-to-day -day pool of those really nitty-gritty debates and it allows us to focus on what we are good at, right? It allows us to specialize as realtors, as farmers, as uh, manufacturers. We don't have to worry about the management of the community because we elect people to do that for us. Okay. But what that requires of us is that when there is an issue affecting us, we have to inform those who represent us at every level of government uh, to 
take the steps necessary to either get out of the way or or implement some change that would allow uh, the industry to succeed. You know, the realtors are actually really good at advocacy nationally because they've got this national association of realtors with state versions of that all across the country that help drive policy that help help realtors. I work within agriculture and I'm a part of a state agriculture association staff that advises our national association staff to do the same. And we help craft policy and engage our members to share what those policies could do for the industry. And we can only have the freedom to do that uh, because we don't have to be a part of it every day. We can, you know, we mm. can live our lives doing the work that we love on a given day, but we have a system that empowers us when necessary as average Joe and Jane to actually bring real change through our representatives. It's, it's mm. an incredible system. Uh, we take it for granted. Uh, and that's one of the things I'm trying to change with my blog. I, I think that mm. so many people think of politics and immediately shut off because of that negativity, that, that friction, right, that fractious right. nature of our system. Right. And we have to pull the curtain back on what politics and, and advocacy really are if we're going to own the process of making our system better. That's deep. That's deep. So. I got to ask the question because they're listening mm -hmm. too. My goal is for us to get educated and be mm -hmm. interested in politics and what it's about. So as advocate and lobbyist, if you educate mm -hmm. us on lobbyists, are those the same two, subjects, so, same two positions? Yeah, a lobbyist the is listeners a don't professional know. advocate. So I am a registered lobbyist here in the state of Ohio, where um, you know I, on behalf of the folks that I represent, go before legislators and administrators and the executives and advocate on their behalf on given issues. But you don't have to be a registered lobbyist to advocate and advocate effectively. If you really? have ever written to your congressman, if you have ever gone to a public meeting, if you've ever um, spoken to your local school board, if you've ever uh, put up a yard sign opposing a property tax increase, whatever, yeah. you've advocated. You hmm. have advocated. Okay. And my goal is to help people understand you know, how they can move up that ladder and, and advocate more often and more effectively for the issues that they care about. What's working for you? This is the teaching money, so you can mm -hmm. teach us something. What's working for you um, in your field, mm -hmm. and how can you help people who's interested in becoming a lobbyist or an advocate? People don't understand just how powerful their story, their lived experience really okay. is in advancing change. So there's an organization called the Congressional Management Foundation, and for years and years, they have studied the relationship between elected officials, specifically members of Congress, and the voting public. And they've tried to identify what are the, what are the actually effective strategies that help members of Congress come to a decision on an issue where they may be on the fence or they haven't come to a firm decision on. And time after time after time, overwhelming numbers of members of Congress and their senior staff report that a personal story can help them come to a decision on an issue. In fact, it's nine out of 10 members of Congress and their senior staffs report that when they hear a personal story about an issue what, that they haven't already decided on, that helps them reach a decision on that issue. 
Here's the kicker. Only one out of 10 report frequently receiving those stories. One out of so 10 that, reports frequently, frequently receiving such type of story. Okay, yeah. I'm, listening, I'm listening. So nine out of 10 are saying, this is really important for you to okay. do. And it, it helps me actually decide something in your favor. Okay. Yet one in 10 is saying that they regularly or frequently receive that tool. Okay. They, they don't hear from constituents. They don't hear the lived experiences of folks that they represent. And that leaves them in a lurch on information that it could be really valuable in advancing a policy initiative. Because so they're not telling disconnect. the story. They yeah, can relate exactly. to it. So I want to exactly. relate to it. So that's that one out of 10. Exactly. There's only one person that told the story mm-hmm. where they can reach their crowd and gravitate and magnetize yeah. And it stems from this, in my opinion, it stems from this belief that we may have that uh, we doubt the value of our own lived experience. We doubt um, our our own credibility. And I try to dispel this consistently uh, in my my work on the side here through my blog, through my, my other content. It's, we have to understand that you as a constituent of them carry immense credibility from the get go. Uh, because you live in the communities, you work in the industries that they're trying to regulate or whatever, and they need to know just how the, their decisions are going to impact your bottom line. Okay, great, great, great. I wish I, I'm going to get you in another six months to a year. <laughs> I want to see your progress. I got to have you, especially in the real estate field or whatever, what I'm doing though. So what is your perspective from, I'm just going to hit you, from the last time we met on, mm-hmm. which what was your story? You you represent you you're, you're in Ohio. You deal with the farmers, which that was that's your passion, mm-hmm. still is your passion. But that was one of your goals last year. Has that progressed? Has it yeah. So so last time we talked, uh, I'm still in the same position where okay. I was before. So I am okay. the uh, director of public policy here for a a an agricultural association at the state level. Okay. Uh, I have been able to expand into some. Uh, national committee and action team appointments that put me in a position to help advise our national organizations on big policy initiatives. Um, so that's that's been working really well. Um, this past year, uh, my political action committee that um, I manage here on behalf of grower leaders here in Ohio, we went from, we, we 10X'd our uh, political action committee over the course of this um, campaign cycle, which is- phenomenal. Um, We're actually really moving the needle um, in being able to support candidates who uh, are with us on our causes, uh, which is really, really great. And we did such a good job that I received an award from the National Institute of Lobbying and Ethics that you- Congratulations, um, yes. Talked about earlier. Yes. Um, you know, I was recognized as uh, one of the 2021 top PAC managers in the country. That's um, awesome. And it's because I've had this buy-in from our grower leaders here. They understand the importance of engaging politically, and we've really blown the doors off the barn. I see it. But here's the point I want you to make, because we can get out. Tell them about, because a couple of weeks ago, gas prices went up. Mm-hmm. But last year you was talking about corn because you represent the, the, mm-hmm. the, the farmers and all. I'm gonna kind of I'm not exact, but you made a point on how we don't have to go across to Saudi Arabia mm-hmm. or whatever. The gas is here. You can create gas at a cheaper rate here with corn. Yeah. Explain that and yeah. explain how the which it doesn't matter if you're a Democrat or Republican has mm-hmm. is pushed the button. 
that Biden made a point what last week on mm-hmm. that. Yep. So explain that to me. Yeah, we had a, a, a really big win last week. Awesome. So yeah. um, in in the United States, about 98% of our fuel supply includes yeah. something called ethanol or bioethanol. It's corn-based uh, alcohol uh, that gets blended in with your basic crude gasoline and it provides octane to the fuel. Octane is really important because it helps modern engines uh, be more efficient. And so when you octane, um, when you're at the gas pump, you see 87, 89, 93, um, those are different octane levels. And corn-based ethanol can, uh, for really inexpensive uh, input, increase that octane level. And we're trying to expand the marketplace for fuels that have slightly higher contents of ethanol in them um, for many reasons. Number one, it will help grind more corn. It's an important market for the folks that I represent. Uh, But there are all kinds of other benefits. Number one, ethanol reduces greenhouse gas emissions at the tailpipe by 46 to 52%. Mm. That's pretty important to a lot of folks, especially my generation and younger. Um, When you look at consumer cost, the higher blends of ethanol typically retail significantly lower than regular gasoline that only has 10% ethanol. The more ethanol you get into the tank uh, that works in these modern engines, the more you can reduce the cost at the pump. Here in Ohio, what that looks like, if I buy a 10% blend of ethanol, 87, uh, I am paying about 30 cents more per gallon at my local station compared to a 15% blend of ethanol that's also available at the same pump. Wow, wow. But you have all of those factors, but I think about ethanol from a national security standpoint, blame the Marine in me, right? If we are dependent on foreign oil to supplement our gas supply, that's a national security threat. That's why the renewable fuel standard, when it was passed in 2005 and, and again in 2007, why it established this pathway for biofuels it was originally a national security issue and that's how it, really? how we should view it and here's the power of it russian oil pretty sizable amount was coming in prior to the the war in ukraine right coming into us markets if you were to replace one third of the e10 fuel supply that we currently use with e15 again that very that 5% more blend of ethanol, if you just replace one third of the E10 fuel supply with E15, that eliminates the need for any Russian oil import period. It makes up for every drop of gasoline that we would have been importing and refining from Russia. That's the key though. It sounds like it's all political then. That's what it sounds like. It's kind of political where... You know, you got to vote on it or, hey, I got a relationship with someone in Saudi where I can't, I can't mm-hmm. jeopardize that, you know, even though we have access, as you're telling me, sound mm-hmm. like we can produce that here in the United States and lower well, yeah, our we costs. Can. Yeah, we can. <laughs> and, you know, the logical next question that most people ask is, well, do we grow enough corn to do this? And, and do yeah. we have the capacity? So unlike having to go drill new wells, you know, go explore elsewhere, if we were to, to switch over our fuel supply like that, that change would take up less than one half of our current surplus ethanol production in this country. 
Well, that's what you guys are fighting for. Mm -hmm. Are you you, Mm -hmm. okay? Not fighting, but you're trying to put out the word for it. We are. Well, no, we are. We're fighting for space in the tank. We are fighting for uh, Americans to have access to legitimate information because I'm a believer in free markets, but a, a prerequisite of free markets is that consumers have to have access to information so they can make informed decisions based on facts. And for decades, uh, oil companies have uh, not told the full story uh, when it comes to ethanol. And the, the reality is right now, 96% of the vehicle miles driven by consumers like you and me last year were driven in vehicles built and optimized to run on E15. Well, really? 96% of the miles driven last year are in vehicles that could run on this higher blend of ethanol. With ease. With ease. Wow. Yep. Wow. Well, hey, I'm not going to hold you. I can see this could be deep. That's why I got to have you back in six months <laughs> earlier, man. That's, that's the topic man. we need. Anytime. I got to ask you the question. I got to ask you the question because mm-hmm. it's leadership. What's your definition of leadership? Uh, leadership uh, leaders, leaders are the people who own the responsibility of placing themselves at the point of friction. And it has nothing to do with title. It has nothing to do with the size of your paycheck. A leader is the person who, when there is a moment of friction, when there's a surface that your mission is bumping up against, those are the people who insert themselves to solve the problem, period. And they own it. Man, that's deep, man. That's deep, man. That's deep. <laughs> well, thanks, man. Thanks. If I can reach out, I'll just hug you from here. From Dallas. <laughs> Dallas. So yeah, just city, man. But hey, man, it's been great. I thank God for meeting you a year ago, man. Same. I know we're gonna build Same. this bridge, keep on doing it. You know anything I can do to help you, I'm there for you. And thank you for I'm that. There for you, and I want to put this out to the atmosphere. So I wish you well on that. So any thank last you, words to to the to the listeners and people that's watching? Just remember that your story, your lived experience, is incredibly valuable, and. When you tell that story to people in positions to decide policy and and laws that affect all of us, if you don't participate, you're harming everyone. Uh, It is so important that that when you have a cause that you believe in, that you present those stories, because we, uh, in politics, have to have all of that information, too. We have to make wise decisions informed by the experiences of the people uh, who are dealing with the the results of those decisions? Period. Your story is incredibly valuable. Mm. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That's why I always push. I've been pushing this. Don't condemn. Don't complain because you have a choice to make a change. He just explained it to you. So that's this episode, and that's the last of this series here. And I I, I thank Mr. Luke for coming in and finishing it off. And you guys have, if you have any information, we're going to stress that. Leave your information, reach out to me or him, and I'll forward it to him because he's making, he doesn't condemn, doesn't complain. He's making a change. He's making a change. So thanks for watching this episode and have a great day. Thanks for joining us on the Nicholas Brown Podcast. Make sure to visit our website, www.nickbrowninc.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. 
If you like this show and you are a new real estate investor, then check out one of Nicholas's free reports called the Wholesale Dominator Report. Also located on our website, www.nickbrownie.com slash free reports. Be sure to tune in for our next episode. And remember, don't condemn, don't complain, because you have a choice to make a change. Have a great day.